Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who have chiseled good looks in their joinery. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 552. And on today's show, we're talking about trusting other people's measurements. Is that what you do every time you buy a plan? Kind of trusting someone else's measurements. Ooh, and they're nice. still uh, often wrong, so there's that. Uh, we're also going to talk about dowels versus dominoes, split top or not, and dealing with the poor decisions of previous homeowners. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. There's only three of them, so you got a good chance of winning. Enter for your chance to win before May 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. Woo-hoo. This episode, we are thanking Austin Santiago, Chuck Dupong, Casey Anderson, and... The one and only Nick. Nick. The Nick. Nick. The Ooh. Nick. Mm, that's good. All right. So we got kickback. Kickback on a dining uh, dining table episode. Um, yeah. All so right. I don't know what this is all about. Uh, Shannon, take it away. I don't know why I got put in there before the dining table. Probably because I did this while I was at work. You did. Uh, <laughs> and now you must suffer the consequences. This comes from Jason. He says, uh, I found a great process for deep cleaning those Rockler silicone benchtop mats. Since mm. I know a couple of you are, are users, I am, and it's very dirty. Uh, it's absolutely critical to follow this procedure to the letter. Otherwise, I cannot guarantee it will work. Mm. Step one, build a table, any table. Mark shaker table from the guild. Cha-ching. That's my link. That's my link nice. sound. Um, I like use that. a nice wood, cherry maple traditional, but walnut looks nice as well. Step two, get it sanded for finish and put it on top of your Rockler silicone bench top mat. Step three, apply wiping varnish. For the table, you want a high quality one like armor seal, but you can, if you can find a more expensive one, it will probably work better. <laughs> Water Step locks. four, 
<laughs> While applying a finish, spill the can of finish all over your benchtop mat. I mean, it... it <laughs> This works better if you also swear loudly while spilling. Okay. Step five, clean up as much as you can with blue shop towels and spread them out to dry so they do not catch fire. (laughs) Step six, swear some more. Step seven, remember it's high VOC finish and open a window. Step eight, when it comes down, when you come down off your polyurethane (laughs) high, finish applying the finish to your table. Hmm. Step nine, close the bleeping can of finish. <laughs> Step 10, leave the shop with a window open and a fan running. Step 11, come back one day later. Step 12, peel polyurethane off the benchtop mat. This will take almost as long as the curing process, but it peels easily. <laughs> Step 13, freshly peeled surface will be as clean as the day it left Rockler. Whoa. It's not the info you wanted, but it's the process you deserve. Happy woodworking and go <laughs> So <Rockler>. deserving. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's uh, Thank you, that's Jason. Ex- that's wonderful. Expensive. But I mean, really. Add that to the, the manual that comes with those silicon bitch mats. Yeah. Well, isn't this why he got the bench mat? Because he knows himself to be a uh, klutzy guy. And is likely to spill a can of finish. And seriously, that I think I still, that still trends quite well on Instagram and various social platforms. The like the satisfying peel thing. Yeah. Don't people still use the silicone brushes and like film that and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I see it, I'm like, hmm, slow news day, huh? Yeah. Those views. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're down to. We're down to popping glue off of melamine and peeling it off of silicone. That's content (laughs) in 2023. Good stuff. Wow. Okay. Mark's not bitter. Not bitter not at, at all. all. He's not at all. <laughs> Dining table discussion time. And you know what? It's not going to be about content. So there's that. Oh, well, hey, I'm out. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's got nothing to say now. <laughs> all right. So dealing with other people's home improvement decisions. Uh, let's say you just move into a new house, you know, new, new to you. I mean, if you move into a brand new house and you got issues, then that's something to take up with your builder. Um, but if you move into a house that's previously owned, chances are you're going to run into some things that make you kind of scratch your head and you're like, what were they thinking? And we thought maybe we'd go around cause I've confronted a number of these. I sent the guys a, a couple of pictures of things in my house that made me laugh. And, uh, we thought maybe we'd compare notes and, and Matt, you didn't buy a new house, right? I did not. No, you bought a house with good bones. And you're restructuring those bones and giving it a giant facelift, right? It's debatable about the bones, but yes. <laughs> well, it has <laughs> bones. <laughs> it does, there. It does <laughs> have bones. <laughs> so you, you got that going for you. So I guess I'll start this off since I, th- I think I inspired Shannon to uh, pick the topic. Uh, the, you the always picture inspire I sent, me, Mark. I do. Oh, boy. Thank you. You, you <laughs> me, as well. No, Every time I get on my Peloton, I go, I was only as fast as Shannon. If only. Think of all the high fives you could get. <laughs> Think of all those middle fingers I could put right now. <laughs> okay. So I sent the guys a couple of pictures in my house because whoever trimmed out my house, it seems like they might have been maybe a first year apprentice who was just given a project and just like, here's a sample house. Here's some wood. Here's a Brad nailer. Have <laughs> a good time. Have right? a good time. <laughs> have a good time, buddy. Go for it. And boy, did they go for it to the to the point where if you let's say you're you're trimming out, uh, you know, a walkway or a doorway entryway, let's call it. You're trimming that out and it's purely decorative at this point. Uh, most houses, it's just, you know, drywall with a, you know, a beaded edge or something on there, a corner bead. Um, this is nicely trimmed out, but it's really close to where they installed the light switch. So what do you do? 
you've got some choices. You could move the light switch, right? That's a lot of extra work, but you certainly could move the light switch. Uh, you could choose not to do that molding there. You could do something else or do something with a lower profile or option number three, which is what was done in my house. You simply cut the cover plate because your, your trim is too wide and it, it uh, goes over where the cover plate exists. So let's so cut that cover plate and then call it done. That's the worst of all the options. And I had it was, least, it was a clean cut, though. I mean, it did. Make, it was a nice match. I'll give them that. It met nicely. It wasn't ragged. Yeah, know? it wasn't ragged at all. There was no burnt, you know, plastic pieces or anything. So we got that. We got that going. Uh, Those are inside the wall. I guarantee yeah. you, if you take that switch plate off, the part of it is like shoved down behind the box. It I was hope. just cut with a multi-tool anyway. So, but I've got uh, three of these examples. And one is a tile example that was done the same way. Uh, and two are trim like this. And so it's um, a signature. It's not. Yeah, that's what it's it a is. style. That's the look. It, it must be the look they're going it's like, for. It's like Bauhaus. It's a whole form and style. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's just one of those things you confront. And at some point, I'm probably going to tone down all of this trim. I just think a lot of it is excessive and it's not to my taste at all. So I'll be taking some of that down, reducing the size of things. I probably won't have to move the switch. I'll probably just be able to downsize uh, the trim that was in that area to an appropriate size that allows that switch to exist in that space. So um, I've been confronting a lot of this stuff. I mentioned in the last show doing a walk-in closet for Nicole. Um, well, they had wire shelves. A lot of builders will just have builder grade wire shelving, even if it's a nice walk-in closet and a good size. Uh, it's just an economical choice to put the wire shelving in there. But not all wire shelvings created equal, and not all people who install shelving are created equal. And these were all done with the, the little nail pins or little nail clips, and mm. none of them were into a stud. They were all just into open drywall cavities. In fact, some of them were just adjacent to a stud. It was it was so <laughs> You're it was so, so, close. so purposeful <laughs> to avoid the studs. And we didn't realize this when we moved in and Nicole loaded it up. You know, she's got some clothes, so she's loading it up and everything falls to the ground. All, there's three of these shelves. She just she heard it happen. She walked in, turned around, closed yep, the door, I'm walked out, out. didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so get this, I go, Hey, I'm going to be the stud here, right? I'm going to go in there, pun intended and find those studs. I'm going to convert the little clips to just simple clips that can hold screws. And I screw it back into the studs, get it all set up. I pull it. I'm like, that's going nowhere. Like I did a good job here. She goes in, loads it up a day later. They fall to the ground. Why? Because now the clips broke, the clips themselves <laughs> broke. And then the little arms that kind of hold it at an angle, they all just, Aww. They and now my Bent. but guess what? Every screw I installed is still on the wall. Nice. Yeah, I've done all I can do. Um, so yeah, obviously awesome. now <laughs> a closet project is in the works <laughs> to, to make my wife happy. So nice. I don't know. What about you guys? What what crazy crap have you found in your houses? Uh it usually ends up being trim, kind of like you're talking about with your light switch, but I had um I swear they just ran out of molding. They just ran out of trim because <laughs> yeah. it terminates like eight inches from the wall. Um, but the nice thing is, is he at least had the forethought to put a scarf on the end. So yeah. it's not just like an, a, a blunt butt joint right on the end. It's, yeah, yeah. it's nicely feathered. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. But it's still eight inches from the corner. <laughs> just feathered um, right into the drywall. 
Yep. Absolutely. Nice. That's Very just nice. lovely. It's not even like a one to 12 scarf. It's just 45 degree <laughs> angle on the miter saw. Just zip right there. You know, Done. Yeah. that's, that's lovely. Um, there was a <laughs> section, um, under the stairs, uh, downstairs where <clears throat> there's like a little crawl space under there and somebody thought, well, let's convert this into storage. And again, I think it was a situation where they had a piece of plywood, but it wasn't the right size. So it's trimmed to fit the width, but it's shy of the top by like three inches. So <laughs> there's a solid plywood door, real fancy, like plywood door, like not, mm -hmm. not even like high quality. It's like OSB, you know? So of course it has a potato <laughs> chip to it as well. Yeah. And it's just this gap. And yeah, I, we joke that, you know, that was where they stuck Harry Potter or something. And there was an air <laughs> hole there that they could stick like the plate of food through or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I, I must've been the same trim carpenter. He just ran out of stuff that day. And I was like, ah, I'm done. Good enough. Close, Close enough. Yeah. It's the 12 inch rule. You know, as long as it's within 12 <laughs> inches, we're good. Close enough. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, Matt, I'm curious from your perspective, because you're going in there with the intention of making big changes, right? Like yeah. what I've got right now is a quote unquote finished product and I can, I could leave it or I can monkey with it. And I'm probably eventually going to monkey with it. You moved in with the intention of monkeying and getting things done. So I'm curious what, what kind of stuff you found and took care of. I mean, as far as trim details go, not, it wasn't really anything that's like weird or crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, there is this interesting like dynamic of like the original portion of the house, which I'm sitting in right now, which is built in the sixties. That's got very basic stuff to it. Like all the trim profiles are super basic and painted. And then the addition that they put on before us, the head, like it's still, they still use like builder grade trim and stuff, mm -hmm. but that was, it was stained red oak. So you have like okay. these two different dynamics. And now it's like, we're, we're doing a lot of trim work in the new kitchen sunroom space. And that space is going to look so different. It's going to have such a different feel as far as like the finished details go. Right. Let's say, okay, well, let's maybe we should just keep going and carry that out through the rest of the house. So it's like, mm -hmm. well, there's this like while you're at it kind of a situation there. Yeah. To update the rest of the feel of the house to match that because that's going to feel a lot more high end than all the basic trim in the rest of the house. Sure. Yeah. What are you doing for trim? Uh, maybe off topic for this particular discussion, but I'm curious are you a going lot. with like um, a lot of trim stain grade? Or are you painting? What are we doing? They'll be painted. Okay. That hurt inside a little bit? Actually, no. The more <laughs> that I thought about it, the more I started to think about like as, as a whole. Cause I'm like the nice thing about having like the cabinetry and the trim and paint is it allows the other elements that are not to really shine and be more of a focal point. Mm -hmm. So the floor is the only wooden thing in the whole kitchen sunroom area. Yeah. So it is like, that is the thing to focus on. So, you know, like, looking all over the place, there's a beautiful amberish tones of the floor against the starkness of the white of the trim. And then in yeah. the kitchen itself, there's a floor and the countertop, which is uh, stone or whatever. So that's more of the focal point. Yeah. It allows you to take the focal from everywhere, just one thing. That was sort of interesting realization that I had to like come to terms with yeah. as, as I thought about the whole process. Well, it's, it's tricky. I mean, we, we have a situation coming from Colorado. We had a very mountain type home with a mm -hmm. lot of in, inside. There was a lot of stone and a lot of wood and all the trim was wood. Every door was, you know, uh, wood stain casing it was all mostly alder stained alder. Um, so moving from that 
everything Nicole sees, she's like, I want what we had before. And the problem is when a house is already trimmed out and it's all white painted. And if you've got white crown, you can't just like start switching over, <laughs> like at least not easily yeah. without completely yeah. gutting it. And I'm kind of trying to wrestle with that myself. If I start to do some built-ins, can I get away with, you know, using cherry there? Or do I have to stick with this white painted look? But I love the perspective there about drawing your eye to specific things by muting it's, some it's of that It's just like stuff. how we, maybe we approach pieces of furniture too, is you're like looking at like, let's say like on, I don't know, like your sideboard, like the panels are supposed to be visually impactful, yeah. but they should be, their their surroundings should be like kind of like taken aback so you focus on those panels so typically right. like your yeah. rails and styles or everything going to be some kind of straight green boring thing so True. they kind of fade to the background and give presence to the panel so it's sort of the same kind of concept with these bigger mm. picture things yeah How that's a good dare point you call it boring well you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm i am a fan of the riffs on club not the crotch club okay well i got a whole riffs on floor for you See, I think, I think the other thing is the profile itself. Um, and this is what I see a lot with, um, you know, the, the work that I do day in and day out is so much of the moldings that we run that have more intricate profiles, they're all primed and painted because mm -hmm. the focal point is the line, not the mm -hmm. grain, you know, and not the color and, and molding ultimately from a design perspective is a punctuational element. It's meant to break things up and it's all about shadow lines rather than grain, so like, um, I can, I can see the exact like aesthetic you're talking about, Mark, with that mountain home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, um, it's square, you know, the casing is, is S for S E for E, you know, not really a whole lot to it or for it is it's a slight, uh, bead or something. There's not a lot of, uh, of molded you're detail there. 100% yeah. right. It was yeah. all simple. I mean, the most we had, like the baseboards were really nice baseboards, probably about six inches in width but just a little round over at the top. Everything yeah. was just a simple round over. And even, you know, just the trimming around a doorway was sort of, I guess it almost shaker, if anything, you know, just kind of had the little, the top that overhangs and it's cut at an angle and it overhangs mm -hmm. the two vertical pieces. Um, so yeah, absolutely simple. And now that makes perfect sense the way you uh, laid it out there. Uh, Cause wood grain, if a complex profile, you would completely drown out any of those lines right. if mm -hmm. it was visible wood grain. Well, since we're talking about moldings, um, you sent us a couple of pictures, Mark, and I feel like you have to talk about the crown molding that was just like <laughs> the crown molding to nowhere. Like there's a column or that something one. in the house oh, or maybe, no, it was, the, was it was a casing around a door, wasn't it? And there's yeah. just like, to like an like, archway. Somebody's like, put a crown molding on it. Like, yeah, you know, no reason so, whatsoever. <laughs> so the dining room has <laughs> an archway, right, right, right in by the entryway. You come uh. in the front door, dining rooms on the left. And it's got just a long extended curve as a archway, right? So they wanted to do, you know, molding up the, the wall and up into that archway, but I guess they wanted crown. So the only thing that they could think to do was to bring the pieces up and then trim it out with crown right at the point where the arch begins. So it's just crown to nowhere. I and like, I mean, I don't understand that one at all. Cause they're like, we want to half case the opening. Like we right. just want the side casing. Yeah, because the arch wasn't cased, right? No, it, it was, was just not. No, the arch no. is drywalled, and they just get casings on the side. And they're like, "How do we make this transition from a cased opening for the sides to a drywall finish?" Yeah, we'll put some crown. We'll put it's some a crown. Perfect there. transition. And it's yeah. it's that like that when you go up on top of a cabinet <laughs> that has crown, and you get up there, and you if you've never seen it before, you look at it, and you go. Oh, that crown molding just, it kind of just bloop, you know, floats yeah. out bloop. from the face of the cabinet, right? 
there's nothing going on behind it. And okay, well, now that makes sense in a cabinet because what else you're going to do unless you're doing floor to ceiling cabinets? In this case, it's almost like that. It's just that that crown is just sitting up there as a pocket. Like um, candy bowl. Like you walk in, you grab the candy ground, or mints. That's where yeah, you put your you keys go. at the park, right? <laughs> there you go. It's a key bowl. I mean, at least in, in looking at the photograph, it seemed like it was only like seven feet off the floor. Yeah. Like where the arch starts is not, you know, if you have eight foot ceilings, yeah. since there's an arch, it obviously tapers down at the edges. Yep. So like, you oh, know, I could reach the crown it. molding reach is it. like at eye level for me. <laughs> it's just like, what the <laughs> Yeah, you would, you'd almost be able to peek into the top of this crown. <laughs> you just need to put some like some LED rope lighting inside yeah. there and yes. have a nice little uplit effect. In but this, this is what makes me feel like it was like a, a student who had an opportunity to play and just try some <laughs> things, whether it works or not. Some some idiot's gonna buy this house. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, I'm that idiot. So it just reminds me of that Portlandia episode. Put a bird on it, put a crown on it. Yeah. Now look, there's a corner, put a crown on it. Find and it. this this place with the crown molding is out of control. It's it's <laughs> like they did the normal crown. Now, maybe this is standard practice, and I'm I'm not sure where this come from comes from. I don't know trim carpentry, but you want to make it look like it's more substantial than it is. So you have standard crown, and then what you do is you take some chair rail molding. And you put one strip a few inches away from the crown on the ceiling. You put another strip a few inches away from the crown below it on the wall. And mm-hmm. then you paint it all white so that the space between the chair rail molding and the crown itself, it's all white. So when you step away, it looks like a massive buildup of crown molding mm-hmm. and multiple pieces of wood. But really all it is is a strip of crown and two strips of chair rail molding. So now the, the whole thing is it's huge. Except yeah. for it's not that kind of house. You know what I mean? It's too, it's too much for, for the size of the house. The opulence. 15-foot ceilings to pull it off. <laughs> well, actually, we do have very tall ceilings in that particular room, so it's not that bad. But if it were like 8-foot ceilings, like, yeah, we'd be in trouble. So I don't know. I got a lot of stuff to tone down a little bit. Uh, anything else we uh, want to bring up? Any examples from your past you could think of? No, I think that uh, you've hit on a lot of them. I've had the switch plates issues. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll say that when stuff. we were looking at houses, we, when we saw like a hundred houses, that the, the trim work and the attention to detail there really like is what I honed in on as I was looking at anything mm-hmm. to potentially buy. I'm like if the attention to detail and the trim isn't there, should I be worried about the attention to detail in like other places that actually matter? <laughs> yeah, electrical. <laughs> Especially <laughs> on like any any house we looked at that was recently updated. If I walk into like, oh, it's a brand new kitchen, you walk in, you're like, okay, the the doors on the cabinets don't line up on top. Like they're like off they're oh. like offset like that. Yeah. And then like there's giant gaps in the molding, or they can't like miter the trim nicely, and there's gaps down there too. Or like there's a half inch gap between the wall and the countertop because they didn't scrap the countertop to the wall. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, what's below I, the surface that I yeah, can't I'm like, see? I see these things. I'm like, I can I first personally, I couldn't live there. I'm like, I can't. This kitchen would be destroyed the day I move in. Like, I got to fix all this stuff. I can't look at this. I can't deal with this. This is so yeah. much of a lower level than what I need my stuff to be at. It's because right. of the way that I think now. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't do it. Can't yeah. bring myself to that level. It's tough. It's tough. And especially in today's day and age where a lot of people are inspired to DIY and there's never been more resources to find out how to do things DIY style. I can tell you with a lot of the houses we looked at, somebody clearly watched HGTV or the Magnolia <laughs> Network 
and it showed. And you can see that, you know, that this was not done by a professional and there's problems, um, but they got the facelift they were after, but now they're trying to sell the house. And if you have someone with a discerning eye, you could pick that stuff out from a mile away. All right. Well, that's good stuff. Let us know, you know, in the comments and the, uh, <clears throat> in our email, if you have any funny stories about weird things you saw <laughs> looking at houses or in your own homes that were the uh, responsibility of the person who owned it before you. Yeah, I want right. some staircases well, to nowhere stories. Give me some of that. <laughs> that sounds fun. I'd like to hear that. All right. Well, you guys know Rockler's a sponsor and you know that Rockler has lumber and they got lots of it. So you could visit a Rockler store or rockler.com for all of your lumber needs. Rockler has dramatically expanded their assortment of quality hardwoods, exotics, live edge slabs, turning lumber and plywood in most stores. From Purple Heart to Maple to Walnut and more, you're sure to find what you need for your next project. Rockler's website lists the current stock available in each store, which is awesome, plus a large selection of lumber and slabs that they can ship directly to your door. Experts are available in both stores and online to provide you with lumber selection advice and assistance. Visit rockler.com wood to order or learn more. It's wood. good stuff. Wood. They got great wood there. All right. Okay. We got questions. Got a couple of questions and then we'll get out of your, uh, out of your hair, people. Uh, so first question I have here is from Mark. Uh, subject is Dow's versus Domino's. He says, I consider myself a serious woodworker on a budget. If not for the budget, I would own a Festool Domino. I have used Mortis and Tenon in the past. I believe it probably is the best joint for most applications. To me, it's very time consuming as well as stressful. I've been researching dowel joinery and I'm about ready to pull the trigger on the Jessam Dowling Jig. I looked at their Pocket Mill Pro, which pretty much does what the Festool Domino does in a more time-consuming way, but at $540, when I came across their uh, Dowling Jig, the Master Kit, $238, that seemed like a more practical alternative that may provide a a possibly stronger joint than the Domino. Any thoughts? So I think people um, sell dowels short. Um, I personally prefer other things, but that isn't because dowels aren't strong enough. Um, open up a, a book by a gentleman named James Krenoff, uh, one of the most world-renowned furniture makers, designers of our time. Um, you know, uh, did, did he started the College of the Redwoods, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, so. just a, a guy you should really know something about uh, and look at his furniture style and his methodology. A lot of the things he builds will be, you know, uh, case sides and bottoms and things, parts coming together with a series of dowels. Uh, you could look at Philip Morley's work. There's work where he has actually done uh, things with a series of dowels. There's really no reason that you can't use that. It is perfectly viable. It's incredibly strong. Um, I don't think you need to get on a domino train unless you absolutely want to and the budget is there. So um, there's a bunch of different uh, you know kits for making dowels and uh, jigs that you can use for making dowels. Certainly Jessam makes fantastic stuff. I haven't used their kit, but I can't see why it wouldn't be fantastic. Um, so I went 238 bucks. If you like the idea of, of the dowels, I say go for it. Um, I, th- I really think we sell them short in terms of what they can do and their strength and their versatility. So I'm, I'm not going to push you in any other direction other than the one you're already headed in. Um, I say go for the dowels. I'm going to push you to rockler.com, to the Rockler Dowling Jig. Mm-hmm. And maybe look at Beadlock if you are you yeah, right. want to be more indecisive about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. you got other options there. Certainly Beadlock is an option. All right. Sorry. I had to throw the sponsor thing in, you know, it's important. No, very, very well done. 
Uh, this is from Chris. He says, I just started out as a woodworking business. I'm not new to woodworking. Um, as a job, it's been brought to my attention through a friend of my wife that he, her friend is wanting to build an entertainment center in her living room. So I told her that I'd, I would go over there, take some measurements so I can draw it up and get her a quote. My wife jumped in and said, or her husband can get you the measurements for you. <laughs> Am I being irrational for not trusting someone else's measurements? Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're being irrational mm. at all. Nope. Um, we're talking about entertainment center, but we're talking about a built-in entertainment center. So, you know, if it's just going along like a wide open wall, maybe, but if like, if it has to fit in like a nook or if there's other aspects of the house, you know, other than the ceiling is this tall, like Doorways. there's so many things that can go wrong there. Um, so if they are absolutely insistent, Hey, that's kind of a red flag. Like they do know that they need you to come there to install it, right? Like, like are they are they hoarders? Like, do they not watch you in your house or something? Yeah, what if like, their house just might be dirty? Or they're embarrassed of all the shiplap. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> big, big piles of shiplap. Um so I, you know, it, it's one of those things where as a as a professional, I would put some sort of like something signed. Like I can't be held responsible. Like if this doesn't fit because I didn't take their measurements or something like that, or you could specifically say, okay, I have to have these measurements. Um, so go to the point where like draw something up and say, I need this measurement, this measurement, and this measurement, and have them like fill in the blanks on like a rough diagram you created or something. If they're absolutely not up for that, we don't know that that's the case. I mean, this is just, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, your friend's wife saying, oh, we'll get the measurements for you. And she's not wanting to like inconvenience her or something. But I would be very, very hesitant to take this on. And I would require a lot of assurance that if what I build doesn't fit, <laughs> I will not be held responsible for You're going to get paid. <laughs> right. I need I need a sound clip from Lindsay that says I'm not <laughs> legally obligated. Yeah, for sure. I'd be real hesitant. Uh, that sounds scary to me. Um, I'm, I'm nervous enough with my own measurements, let alone someone <laughs> right. else giving me measurements, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> especially a built-in man. Ooh, that's, that would be tricky. So yeah. Now I wonder if this is just the situation where it's not that they're refusing in a sense. It's more that they're just, um, he's just being cautious cause he doesn't want to sound like a jerk. Like, Oh yeah. no, I need to come there to take the measurements. He's just kind of gut checking well, that. And the other thing is, um, I remember, um, there was actually a great article in fine woodworking lord knows when you know when you when you go to the finewoodworking.com like you have no idea when this article came out i just remember reading it like 8 years ago um but there's a great article on on built-in furniture and a lot of the genius to built-in furniture is building for like scalability like building it in modular parts so if you've got an entertainment center maybe you've got a cabinet where the tv goes and maybe you've got two flanking cabinets and those are actually three different boxes that you build and you specifically design a bit of wiggle room around them. And that's what trim is for, you yeah. know, so <clears throat> you shim those three boxes in place. You secure them either to the wall or to like a pedestal or something so that they're firm. And then the little gaps that you may have in between those three cases, that's what rails and styles are for. So, you yeah. know, you could also build for that eventuality so that you've got some wiggle room side to side that that's a nice, safe way. And frankly, even if you have the dimensions, it's kind of a smart way to build built-in furniture anyway. Well, and there's also the the built sort of built-ins that are there's really no independent structure of its own. It's all built mm -hmm. in place, so it's yeah, almost right. like a facade 
type thing. Now that is something where, you know, if he's got the skill to do that, a basic measurement might be enough to go in there. If you have the materials and you do all the work on site, then you might be able to get away with it. It doesn't sound like that's what he's going to do though. This sounds like build most of the cases and things in the shop and then do some, uh, you know, the, the last parts of the process on site. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right, Matt. Yeah. Okay. This one's from Jason. Jason says, I have a chance to get a Norway maple slab six inches thick and wide and long enough for a Rubo style workbench. Working with a slab that big is tough, I assume. So I've been considering a split top bench and using a smaller slab or and using smaller slabs or laminating slabs. But the split top really doesn't do it for me aesthetically. Not a great reason, I know, but it is what it is. I'm also not sold on the functionality of a split top. I'm a hybrid woodworker and prefer using machines for the heavy work of dimensioning and bulk waste removal, but hand tools for finishing work. What are the pros and cons you guys see with a full slab versus a split top bench? I think we all have split top benches, right? No, hell no. How dare you, sir? He would never, except for the one that he made himself with a chisel. Split apart. That's not no. true. I do have a split top kind of sort of up in Maine. It's a oh, main house. Like, oh yeah, your main yeah. house. You okay. got both of but them. But it's yeah, it's it's uh it's filled in all the time. That's where a fence goes. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I don't. I just thought about like a few pros and cons here. I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot of other things, but some of the pros of the split top. I think the biggest pro is when you're building it, you're only building, you're only dealing with two narrower slabs. Those slabs can actually go through most shop machines. You can actually put the thing through a planer and have it come out that way. If you're a power tool woodworker, unless you want to do a router sled, you're probably not going to have a fun time flattening a six inch thick single piece slab. Um, so I think it's the building process is going to be easier with the split top. I mean, you already said you don't like it, so I don't know why we're talking about this to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny. He not only does he not like it, but he has a six inch thick slab that's wide enough to do the job. (laughs) It's a good question. Why are we having a discussion? (laughs) Actually, I don't know. You know, I don't know why I picked this question. Here's what you do. You take your single slab, you rip it in half, you flatten the two halves individually, and you glue it back together. You call it a day. Yeah. See, but therein lies the other issue. Like... A six inch slab, how you plan to rip that in half? Like no table saw I know, at least not a cheap one, has that kind of depth. Not That'd be capacity. a two passer. Two passes. Yeah. Two, all right. Well, sure. Um, unless you've Still, got one of those like giant nightmare. beam saws. <laughs> I mean, yes, like, it doesn't like sound has. fun regardless. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. <laughs> so, so, you know, you're, you're going with two pieces because it seems like it'd be easier to flatten, but you still have to rip it into two pieces, which could be difficult in and of itself. So yeah. maybe suck it up and either build a routing sled or oh, just pick up a hand plane. It's not that hard. Honestly, <laughs> he's got this maple slab. This is, you know, uh, this sounds like something, just get some exercise with that hand plane Use that as your bench top. I mean, most people don't have access to something yeah. like that. And that's why we also come up with these other ways to do it because we have to do a lamination anyway. So if I'm doing a lamination, it's a lot easier to deal with two smaller pieces. I have the option to do that, but I'm not coming from a giant slab that I'm going to split in half. Like you've got what you need. I say mill that thing down, get some practice with the hand planes and you've already got your top ready to go. Like that's a great time saver. I mean, Matt, you do kind you of do guys, this with your workbench uh, kits, right? Yeah, I have doing one this, like yeah. that. I have a, so, I have a single slab 
uh, kit that I saw to test that hasn't moved at all just to see if yeah. I should do that. So I have a 30 inch wide top that's six inches thick and eight feet long. So right. I know what that feels like to actually move the thing around and looking at it. Yeah. And now I have the, the surfacer. I'm like, I just throw it on the surfacer and buzz it off and it's flat. Yeah. But that's also why I got that machine. It was to flatten big, weird stuff like this. Sure. Yeah. Do you guys actually see any like pros in using the workbench? Like forgetting about building it. Like what do you yeah. use that split top? functionally for it's something that once you have it long enough you find ways to use it or you you actually sometimes i have to remind myself like oh yeah that's right i could solve this clamping solution mm -hmm. by clamping in the middle of the bench normally it's not that easy to clamp in the middle of the bench if you want to use your your hold fast sometimes you have conflicts or the hole may not be in the right spot so there are times i will say it's few and far between it's not like a daily occurrence but there are definitely times where I go, you know what, I'm kind of glad I've got that slot there because I could slide a clamp up in there. It just makes the bench a little bit more versatile. Um, yeah. I also do use the plane stop quite a bit, um, which is nice just to very quickly. I mean, it's not like you can't have a plane stop in other ways with a monolithic top, um, but it is something that I use quite often. Having the oh, plane also, stop with the tool holder in is kind of nice too because if, mm -hmm. if I remember to do it, I put the tools back in the, in the slot so at least the bench is a little less of disaster as I'm working. Yeah. yeah. That, that kind of helps, but most of the time it doesn't really make a difference having a split yeah. top, except for that one moment you're like, okay, I got to get a clamp here in the middle for some weird glue up I'm doing or something else. Mm -hmm. I find that to be incredibly handy. The only downside that I see to the split top usability standpoint is the fact that like chips and shavings fall through onto the shelf. Yeah. Huh. Which is like, it's woodworking, so yeah, I say <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, I can say when I built the hybrid work, workbench, which was a variation of what I had learned about the Rubo and trying to make it a little more practical, I purposely widened the slot between the two slabs and then utilized it as an accessory area. Um, whether it's like a skinny accessory tray or a tool holder for, you know, saws or chisels or something that holds a little flexible, um, like boom arm light. There's a lot of fun things that you can do with it. Um, I never really made the most of that just from a usage perspective. Um, but it is something that you can do if you want to have like some cool, clever solutions there. All right. I think that does that. And I hear a 3D printer going, so it's a good time for us to not be recording. Uh, <laughs> family owned since 1954. <laughs> Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, it's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Tune in next week to find out what Nicole is 3D printing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying corrected, it's actually the laser that's making the noise, but... Oh, I'll let you know next week laser. what she's lasering. I, I, I put this to the, the Wood Talk audience. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of various Scott Johnson shows on the Fraud Pack Net, Frog Pants Network was when Nicole would show up and do like movie reviews, <laughs> yeah. video game reviews. It was always fun. I think we need a Nicole Spagnolo segment. Yeah. Um, we, yeah good luck we need a that. Lindsay soundbite saying we're not legally binding, but for the 3D printers and makers out there, maybe we sure. should finally grab that audience. I think uh, She'd be happy to do it. See, there we go. 
Let us know, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who'd be less uh, enthused about this uh, sort of thing than uh, Lindsay or Nicole, who would be least <laughs> <Right>. enthused. <laughs> they both be like, no thanks. So let us know if you want to hear it, because it's not going to happen either way. (laughs) (laughs) But send us your questions, people. It's what makes this show this show, kind of, sort of. Those questions come to us from the contact form at woodtalkshow.com or via email at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Please and thank you. We love your questions. Awesome. Very good times. Thank you, guys. And uh, I guess we will see you next time. We hope so. Maybe you will. Who knows? You never know. Never know, no. with these, never know with these three. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.